Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. We are sharing some insights through a recent sermon series Callie and I were a part of called Full Circle Christmas. Today, Callie will share on the prophecy of a Nazarene. Have you ever noticed that basically every Hallmark Christmas movie has the same plot? Yet over 35 million of us watch them every year. And it started in like 2010. There were like 11 new ones every year. This year we're getting a whopping 42 new Christmas movies just from Hallmark. That doesn't include all the other places that put them out. But just from Hallmark that have like the same plot. And for those of you who have not watched one and need, or need a little refresher, I found this, this uh, image that kind of shows you the plot. So you just pick one from each column. So, you know, it might be a big city, career-oriented, recently single, world-weary, or someone with the wrong guy. And then you pick from the next column. Are they a lawyer? Are they a baker? Or I love this, an early 2000s actor that you forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> to get it a little outside the box. But then it all converges because she returns to her small town at Christmas time. For some reason, it might be to inherit something, a, a contest, a corporate closure to save the family business. And she magically falls in love every time, without fail, magically falls in love. And it might be with a sensitive guy in plaid, it might be an old flame, some guy and his dog, you know. And we watch them. One, two, or all 42. And I think here's the reason why. There's something about that plot. There's something about it that draws us in. We long for that reminder that the job, the career, the the significant other, whatever it is, it doesn't hold us. It isn't we wake up to what really matters. In, in their version, it's, it's to the Christmas spirit and to love. But here at Mosaic, we like to tell the same Christmas story, the same amazing love story, each and every Christmas, and so does the church worldwide. Because, y'all, we have the ultimate Christmas love story of a God who so loved the world that he came down from heaven to be born of a Virgin Mary in the form of a baby, a helpless baby coming to a humble place. But we know that baby didn't stay little. That was none other than the baby Jesus who grew up and we learned from his life. But then he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And he didn't stay dead either, y'all. He brought it first full circle, coming back from the dead. And with his resurrection, we have this hope. It is the greatest 
Christmas gift ever. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you've got someone on your Christmas list that you can never figure out something to give them because they just have everything, they still need this gift. It is the gift that we all need and it is the gift for all of us. It's a gift that cost us nothing so you can afford it, but it cost Jesus everything to give it to you. It's the ultimate love story. And I love it because it also involves going back to a small town, to those humble beginnings. Are you ready for the ultimate love story? The one better than any Hallmark classic movie? If so, I want to say welcome to Mosaic Church. My name is Callie Picardo, and I am just one small piece of this dynamic mosaic of Jesus followers that are looking great in their Christmas sweaters and shirts today, I might say, who are virtually gathered here at 350 North Fairfield Road and virtually online around the world. We are so glad you're with us today. And we are in this Advent season comes from the word Adventus, which means coming. We celebrate the coming of Jesus. And not just his first coming 2,000 years ago, but also his promise that he is going to come again. We're getting our hearts ready. And with that, we're in this series called Full Circle Christmas. We're looking at some of the prophetic promises that Jesus fulfilled. With his birth and his life, he fulfilled one and again that just they they wouldn't make sense except he fulfilled each and every one. I mean, last week we looked at the prophecy that he would be born of a virgin. Only person ever to be born of a virgin. And this week we are looking at the prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene, a guy from Nazareth. So if you have your Bible or a smartphone handy, I invite you to join me. We are in Matthew chapter 2 today. And Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, and he loved to highlight these prophecies and the fulfillment that Jesus brought with them. We're in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 19. It says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, this takes place a couple years into Jesus' life. And so here's the backstory. Remember, he was born in that little town of Bethlehem in a not-so-sanitary, not-so-pristine manger, a feeding trough for animals. Not, not where you would want to have a baby born if you could pick. I mean, some people are like, I want to have a home birth. Some people want a hospital. No one wants a manger. That is not where you want to have your baby born, in a barn with the cows and the sheep and everything, like not just lowing but pooping. We don't want that. And that's where he was born. This king of the world was born in a humble place. And then it didn't stop there. 
he had to go on the run for his life because King Herod heard through the Magi that the long-awaited Messiah had come, and King Herod was paranoid, and he would go to any lengths to preserve his power, including killing all of the baby boys up to age two in Bethlehem and around it. They don't put that on the Christmas cards, do they? So here in the midst of violence and murder, in the midst of poverty, and now a refugee on the run for his life, is Jesus. And a couple years later, an angel tells Joseph, hey, Herod's dead. Those who were with him who were trying to take Jesus' life are dead. You can return to Israel. Because remember, Jesus had to get back to Israel for his ministry, and here he is in Egypt. So he's coming back. But then when they find out that Archelaus is in Judea, they're getting concerned. Because you see, Herod's kingdom got divided into four parts. And his oldest son, Archelaus, was in Judea where Bethlehem was. And perhaps they were going back to Bethlehem to say, let's, let's go back to the true ancestral roots of our family. But when they found out Archelaus was there, Joseph had another dream and he was warned. And instead he went further north to Galilee, to a little town called Nazareth where Mary and Joseph were from. A know-nothing town. Small town roots. And this is where it gets interesting, though, because Matthew covers five different prophecies in the first two chapters, and this is the final one, but it's the only one that you can't then look up in the Old Testament and see where it came from. You know, the others, they look up and you're like, oh, that's an Isaiah, and you can go and read it, and there it is, but this one doesn't have that. So here's some of the theories. I'll let you in on the different theories of what, where this prophecy came from. The first theory is that Nazareth, it sounds like nezer, which was their word for branch. And prophets was plural. And there were a lot of prophets that prophesied that the Messiah would come and would be called the branch, nezer, from the line of King David, son of Jesse. And here's why that matters. Because if God's faithful to some of his promises, we want God to be faithful to all of his promises. And God had promised King David long ago, that, hey, David, someone from your family line is always going to be king. But then Israel kind of went off and did their own way, and they were taken off into captivity. And even now, when Jesus is being born, they were under the Roman rule. So they were waiting. They were like, when is our Messiah coming? When is he going to come and deliver us and take his rightful place on the throne of King David? So you can see one of these is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Remember, David's Jesse's son. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And then Jeremiah 23, 5 says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, Nezer, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. So more on that next week, but Jesus came from that kingly line, from the, a branch of that family tree of King David and fulfilled that prophecy too. But so that's one theory. Another theory of why Nazareth mattered is, and where this prophecy came from is that perhaps it was oral. Perhaps it was one that Matthew knew about that is it was just spoken but didn't get written down. Or, here's the fancy word for those of you that like to throw out a word at the Christmas party, you can say, hey, did you know there's a prophecy that's non-canonical? 
<laughs> you can bust that out. See if anyone's going to be like, what? What are you talking about? That just means, so this, there's the, what, the prophecies and the words ended up in the Bible. This is what we call the canon. Canon just means measuring rod. This is a, a rod of which we can measure our life against God's words. But there are other things written down that didn't quite make it into the canon, not that they were bad, they just didn't, they weren't what was divinely inspired to become the Bible today. So it could have been oral or non-canonical, a prophecy that was known at the time, but not in the Bible. And then finally, Nazarene could have just been slang for basically like hick, nobody, nothing, you're backwoods, you don't matter. And we see this in John chapter 1, verse 46, where Philip, a new disciple of Jesus, goes and tells his friend Nathaniel, I found the Messiah, the branch, the one we've been waiting for. He's here. He came. He grew up in Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, um, Nazareth? Dude, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, the Messiah came from Nazareth. You've got to be kidding me, right? So whatever your take on where this prophecy came from, Jesus fulfilled it, along with all of the others. And there's a lot we can learn about Jesus and what that means for us through this prophecy, through that promise that God brought full circle to completion. The first thing that we can learn that God invites us to is to put our past into God's hands. Now, Christmas is a time that often gets us thinking about the past, right? There are those traditions, and sometimes they're like fun memories. Some of us have great memories that we're like, we get together with family, and we're like, hey, remember that year that Uncle so-and-so did such and such? Wasn't that hilarious? Like, you love to reminisce, or that, those, those times of togetherness. And you, it can be sweet times. But there also can be sad times at Christmas, sad memories as we reflect and wish for loved ones who are with us then who aren't with us today. Or some just wish for a simpler. It just seemed like the world back then was so much simpler than it is today. And y'all, it was crazy and chaotic then. We just, it feels safer back then as we reflect sometimes. So there's a sadness that can come with those memories. And some of us have regrets when we look at the past. I mean, how we wish it had been. Missed opportunities, missed years that were like, I don't, I can't get those back. But however those memories come. We can put the past into God's hands. We can thank God for the good memories and ask God to take those hard, painful, sad memories and use them and work them for his good. Because here's the really cool thing. The God who created the entire universe, the God who can move mountains and split seas, he chose to be born, to grow up in Nazareth. He chose to be called a Nazarene and all that implied in that day. He could have chosen to be born in a palace. He could have been chosen. I mean, it's all about who you know, right? He could have been chosen, chosen to live next to the most influential people in the world, but he chose to be called a Nazarene. That was his past. I think it's in part because God wants to show us a, that he comes through full circle on those promises. And B, standards of the world don't matter. You can throw them out, y'all. You can throw out what the world says and instead look to what God says. And God says, I chose you. 
I chose you to be my beloved child. I chose you when I went to the cross to die for your sins because I loved you. I would do it all again if it was just for you. The Bible says God knit us together in our mother's wombs. He formed you on purpose, y'all. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. He chose you on purpose. The Bible says God knows the number of hairs on our head or the lack of hairs on our head, and, and if you're Wayne or Roz. God knows you by name. God chose you, and God loves you. And God invites us to put our past into his hands. Because in God's hands, our past becomes part of what God's writing our story. Our mess becomes the message that somebody else needs to hear because we were that way back then and we are a new creation in Christ today. And God is not done yet. God is still writing our story. And so your past is not something to be ashamed of. It's something forgiven by God, put into his hands, And then God takes it and does amazing things. God does miracles with it and uses our past to transform others' lives as we start sharing our story. So we put the past into God's hands. And the second thing we do, as we remember God is faithful to his promises, we can depend on the promise keeper. Because God was faithful to keep those promises, we can be faithful to keep his promises to us today. You might be familiar with the song Waymaker. It calls God a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I love it. It calls him a promise keeper. But I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It can be easy sometimes to hear a song and not necessarily hear the words right, but you got them. You're owning those words because that's how you heard them. And this is a favorite song of my three girls, and they love to like belt it out when it comes on the radio from the back seat. I just love it. But one day I heard them singing, and my middle was singing with all their heart. Waymaker, miracle worker, finders, keepers. <laughs> and I said, Oh, I love that you have found Jesus and you are keeping him. Yes, that is good. It actually says promise keeper, though. And here's why that matters, too, because we want. God, to be faithful to his promises, because God promises good things for you and for me as God's beloved children. I love some of the promises of God. One of my favorite is that God promises never to leave us nor forsake us. So whatever you are facing in this season, God is with you. You can turn to him. You can cry out to God, and God hears your cry. God promises to be near to the brokenhearted. So if this is a season where you're dealing with that grief and sadness, God is near. God wants to hold you close through it. If you feel overwhelmed in this season, God says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
Yes, please. Yes, please. I could use some rest, Lord. I'm exhausted. God says, take my yoke upon me because I am gentle and humble of heart. Learn from me. So sometimes I'll be like, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm apparently not carrying the right load. This is not working. Okay, can, can we trade, Lord? I'll give you this one. What do you have for me? Because another promise of God is that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So those burdens that you're carrying, those loved ones that you're carrying, God cares for them more than you ever could. He loves your loved ones. As much as you love them, God loves them more. God loves them more. So we can depend on the promise keeper because that promise keeper who came down from heaven went to Bethlehem, born of a Virgin Mary, grew up in Nazareth, was willing to be called a Nazarene, humbled himself so much and didn't even stop there. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, the most excruciating, humiliating death, and he was innocent. But he took all of our sins on. But he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected from the dead. And so we have the promise of eternal life with him. This life on earth, it's not the end. We get to party with Jesus in heaven one day, y'all. And that that tops any Christmas party y'all got planned this season. That is going to be the party of all parties, the heavenly banquet. And so if God has promised that to us and fulfilled these promises that we're celebrating here, we can trust those promises too. And guess what? He has promised to come back again. He has promised to come in. It says we don't know the day or the hour. Sometimes I'm like, okay, Lord, can can you hurry up a little bit? But God is faithful, and he promises to come back. When he comes back, will you be ready? Will he find you following after God? Not perfect because we make mistakes, but will he find you leaning in? And when you make mistakes, running back to God and saying, okay, God, you promised that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to, to forgive. So, Lord, I'm giving you some more and receiving his forgiveness. But then also helping others, discipling others and helping them get ready as well. That's what this season is all about. It's about preparing for his second coming as well not about preparing all the food and getting all the gifts ready. It's about preparing our heart. So when Jesus comes again, we're ready, but we're also taking a lot of other people with us because we're telling them about this promise keeper who always brings his promises full circle. We can depend on the promise keeper. We can put our past in his hands. But then as we start to depend on the promise keeper, we start to let those promises define us. We are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our present. We are not defined by the number of presents under our tree. We are not defined by how many lights we have outside our house or how many inflatables are on our lawn. My kids keep asking me, Mommy, when are we putting up our Christmas lights? I keep telling them, we're not. (laughs) So if I'm honest, sometimes I drive through our neighborhood and I'm like, oh, everyone else has such pretty lights. Should I do it to be just like them? Just go on a drive. There we go. But instead of letting what others think define us, instead of letting the amount of money in our bank account define us, we start to let God's promises define us. Because God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God said, how great is the love our Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
I had a season of really trying to learn how to let God's promises define us, define me, because over nine years ago, my husband Roz and I moved to the Dayton area. It feels like just yesterday sometimes, but it's been over nine years ago. But when we moved here, God put something crazy on my heart. I heard God call me out of full-time paid work, out of my job that I loved. And y'all, Roz is the change one. If you haven't gotten to know us, my husband Roz would change for the sake of change. He gets bored. He's like, let's do something new. Let's do something fun. And I'm like, but it wasn't broken. Do we have to change it? If it's broken, let's fix it. But I I got a good pattern. I, I don't have to think about it anymore. But so God called us to move, and God called me to step out of working, which was weird for me because I had a job I loved in Kentucky, and my boss was willing to let me keep doing it. I was like, great, I don't have to change. We are moving, but I can keep one thing the same. And God's like, no, I got something better. I want you to trust me. And I got a job offer up here, and God said, no. I said, trust me. I was like, okay, God. And it was a challenge because, you know, we got used to living on two incomes with no kids. But that wasn't the real challenge, y'all. We could simplify our life for that. But the real challenge was I had let my identity get wrapped up in my work. It had become a big part of who I was, what I wanted to project to the world around me. And we were moving to a new place with new people. And after they ask your name, what do they ask you? What do you do for a living? And I didn't want to be, as much as I love Roz, I didn't want to be known as Roz's wife. I wanted to be Callie, but who was Callie without her work? What were other people going to think of Callie? And God kept calling me back, no, that doesn't matter. What matters, my child, is what I think of you. And I love you. I'm crazy about you, Callie. I love you. And so it was this amazing season that lasted for right exactly a year to the day of this journey of learning to let God's promises define me instead of what other people thought about me. And if it's... (laughs) Where are we going? (laughs) Are you on a journey? We're on a journey. And if I'm honest, I am still on this journey of learning to let God's promises (laughs) define me. (laughs) So if you're on that journey too... If you're on that journey of learning to let God's promises define you, Advent's the perfect season. One of the most powerful practices that I've learned that's helped me is to take God's promises and just to pick one and to memorize it so that when life comes at me, it's in here, so it comes out. But then I take it and I start praying it so it goes from here to here. So that promise, that God promises never to leave us nor forsake us, I'll pray, God, I feel lonely, but you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. God, help me to walk through this. Mm-hmm. I encourage you, if you've got a smartphone handy, take it out. Don't check those text messages. Go, go to your internet and just search Bible promises. I want you to pick a Bible verse that you're going to write out somewhere, screenshot it, Write it somewhere and start trying to memorize it. Maybe you get your family to memorize the same one, because if I'm honest, I've learned a lot of Bible verses lately because my kids are in Mosaic Kids and they have a Bible verse every month. And if they learn it, they get a prize. And so guess what? My kids are like, hey, mommy, daddy, can you help us learn the memory verse? So we learn them too. So maybe you pick one as a family. But I love some of these. I just picked it out and um, 
you know, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So sometimes I'll just say, God, I am so anxious about this right now. God, I am giving this to you. Thank you that you are with me in the midst of it. And please guard my heart. Fill me with your peace that surpasses all understanding. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Are you at a crossroads in life where you're like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. Maybe Jeremiah 29, 11 is your verse for this season that you just, you, you just commit here and then start praying that out here. I love Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Do you need some strength? Put your hope in the Lord. Or someone say, those who wait on the Lord. If you're impatient, they're like, okay, God, I'm just trying to wait on you and your timing. Because I'm going to say they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will knock and not faint. And I love this one because often I feel weak. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Pick a verse. Just pick one. It doesn't have to be the perfect one. You might be thinking, well, I don't know what's the right one. Pick one. Learn that one. Start praying that one. And then when you're done, start pick another one. And pick another. To the point where these words, these promises, become more familiar to you than the movie lines of your favorite Christmas movie. Tuck these in your heart and your mind. Let these be the words on your lips. Pray them back to the Lord. Because the God who's come full circle with all the promises he fulfilled in his birth, even being growing up and being known as a Nazarene, can anything good come from Nazareth? I'd say so. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that we can depend on your word. God, thank you that you fulfilled one after another after another of those prophetic promises. And God, I thank you that we can stand on your word today, that you are faithful and true, that in a world that feels so uncertain, we can depend on you. When we get our promises broken from others, God, we can come back to you because you are faithful and true. You are the yes and amen. Lord, You, if you've said it, we believe it, God. So God, I pray that you'd move in our hearts today. Show us where we've let other things define us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for caring so much what others think. Forgive us for worrying about the, the job that we have, the home that we live in, the finances. God, you know our needs. So God, you are the God who promises that if, if you clothe the lilies of the field and you feed the sparrows, Lord, how much more precious are we in your sight? So God, we give our needs to you, the worries and concerns. You said to cast all our cares on you because you care for us. So God, we lift those cares up to you in Jesus' name and say, come Lord Jesus, come. Come thou fount, come thou king, come the precious prince of peace. Lord, ready our hearts. And God, as you get us ready, help us to share your love with this world around us that needs you so much. Lord, I pray you put on our hearts who needs to hear our story, who needs to hear about our past and what you've done and where you've moved. God, put on our hearts who needs a call, 
who needs a phone call today who just needs to just to know your love through us god put in our hearts who needs an invitation lord to christmas eve or to the blue to white christmas service lord show us who just needs an invitation so that they're not alone but they also know that you are with them it's in jesus name we pray amen amen